There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Ava Benasaki of CPI Capital in Vancouver. Coming from a family of accountants, Ava values hard work and compassion above all. After becoming one of the youngest award-winning agents at REMAX, Ava moved to Vancouver where she built a strong network of real estate investors. She continues to learn and grow with resilience and persistently gains knowledge in the field of real estate investments. Realizing the pain points that many investors face when looking to passively invest in real estate, Ava pivoted her focus to real estate private equity. She co-founded CPI Capital, a uniquely innovative company that allows investors to invest in multifamily investment opportunities and benefit from passive income, above market returns, and monthly cash flows. Ava's a public speaker who's appeared in publications such as Forbes and numerous podcasts and YouTube shows. She helps busy professionals earn passive income through smart real estate investments. So welcome to the show, Ava. Thank you so much, Rick. I am so grateful and excited to be on Startup Canada with you today. Okay, I want to hear all about uh, your investment ideas and also about, you know, how you're breaking the mold because that's the entrepreneurial thing that we love so much at Startup Canada. But the first question we like to ask to get right to it and make sure that our listeners know that they have to stay glued to this podcast. What are the top pieces of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation? For sure, Rick. So my top pieces of advice would be don't chase money, fame or philanthropy. Focus on discovering a solution to a problem. And that statement can really resonate with any entrepreneur. Have drive in what you're doing and focus on finding a solution to a problem. Right. Tell us about the solution. Tell us about the problem that, 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 that you discovered. 
It's funny enough, Rick. Um, I'm speaking of startup, startup Canada. I, I have never started a startup in the past, nor have I been part of a startup in the past. A little bit about my background: I was in real estate for the past decade, if you will, um, and I found myself competing with twenty-three thousand other realtors here in Greater Vancouver. You know, day to day, just trying to do the best, do do my job to the best of my ability. And I worked with real estate investors, um, and I would guide them on purchasing residential real estate. Now, is that different from just, say, people who are looking for their first home or to move up to, uh, uh, to a place in the suburbs? Well, I, I work with those people too, but real estate investors were, were people that would come to me and they were, they were solely focused on, hey, Ava, I have capital to deploy. Help me decide where to deploy it. I want to invest in real estate. Right. Now, in Vancouver, you'd think, well, you can't go wrong. Buy anything anywhere. But I guess it's more, I guess it's, it's trickier than that. It's definitely trickier than that because the median home price is so expensive here in Vancouver. Um, a lot of real estate investors are looking for two different things. They're looking for cash flow and appreciation. Well, the good thing about Vancouver is you can definitely bank on appreciation, no problem. Um, but in most cases, you're negative cash flow. Um, so that's that's a big problem. Um, so I'm going to take a step back and I want to quickly touch note on on me being in kind of this, you know, competing with 23,000 realtors and, and trying to help real estate investors. Here's where CPI was created. And, and this is very, very important is it didn't come from, you know, it didn't come from a startup idea or it didn't come from, uh, you know, how much money I could make or, or how, you know, let's say how famous I could be. It started with realizing a fundamental problem that I seen when it came to noticing the pain points that existed for people investing in real estate. And I wanted to come up with a solution to that problem. Um, now, as everybody's listening, I'm sure as people have recently seen in news media um, and in politics, when you talk about real estate investing in Canada, you talk about unaffordability. When you talk about real estate in Canada, you talk about foreign investors. When you talk about real estate in Canada, you talk about rigid mortgage, law, mortgage laws, or like I said before, the high median home prices, especially here in Vancouver and Toronto. Um, so what I kept seeing was, you know, there's all this talk about the top 1% making all the profits when it comes to real estate investing. And this was the problem that I saw. You know, the rich kept getting richer by making smart real estate investments. And I wanted to come up with a solution to that problem. And that was, and for me, that was to democratize real estate investing, to allow for the everyday person, okay, to have access to great real estate opportunities. So that's what, going back to what I first said, it didn't, it didn't start with a business idea, but a, but a problem and the solution to a problem. Was there ever a time when individuals could, you know, safely and profitably invest in real estate other than through their buying homes and paying off the mortgages in 40 years? <laughs> other than paying off the mortgages? Well, funny enough, what I seen was this fine line <laughs> that existed for active active investors to become passive investors. So there's there's a there's you know there's a wrong there's a wrong mindset that's being used when it comes to real estate investing. There's two main misconceptions about real estate investing, and I'm gonna touch on what you just said. First is where people believe that buying a primary residence equates to real estate investing. Now, real estate investing is vastly different than just buying a primary residence and having that 40 year mortgage and owning a property. Um, 
you know, secondly, it goes again back to the mindset and this concept of passive or active real estate investing. Most people are under the impression that you could only be a real estate investor by being actively involved. And that, that means, you know, many people think of it as being hands-on, owning, owning the property assets, dealing with tenants and toilets, um, you know, having experience. <laughs> I like the <laughs> way you said that, tenants and toilets, exactly. Dealing with tenants and toilets and having, you know, experience in renovation or having the, the headache of finding a contractor to renovate a property or being great at, at property management playing an active role in the business of real estate investing, which is very difficult for a lot of people. Um, you know, especially in top cities in Canada, where it's very difficult to scale your investment portfolio as an active investor. But the exciting thing is, is most people are unaware that you can invest in real estate passively. Okay. So you don't have to have all this headache that I just mentioned. This concept is what I do and it's real estate private equity. Okay, as our friends like to call it in the US, it's called real estate syndicated investments. It's a concept of pooling together capital with other investors, bringing on a management team, and together purchasing, upgrading, and managing real estate assets. And that sounds really interesting. And I did some digging and I found out that the <laughs> CPI and CPI okay. Capital stands for Canadian Passive Investing. Am I right? It sure does. So I, so I get a cookie. Okay. <laughs> Um, and what, what kind of returns are, can people expect these days from passive investing in your real estate, private equity structures? That's a great question, Rick. Um, so yeah, everything's forecasted, of course. Um, you know, this is not a solicitation. I always have to say those kind of things, but, um, essentially an exciting thing that we bring to the Canadian investor is something called a preferred return. So we give, uh, our, our investors bank off of cash flow and depreciation. Um, and I can dive into the business model, but essentially the type of returns that we try to achieve for investors are a 7 to 9% preferred return annually. And we distribute monthly distributions. So our investors get a paycheck in their bank account every single month. And then after the business model is executed and we sell the asset in three to five years, um, that's where our investors uh, make most kind of uh, make most profit on the back end when we sell the asset, um, but that's roughly around that twenty to twenty five percent annualized returns. Interesting, but it sounds like that's mm -hmm. uh, the the model is built upon the assumption that real estate prices will continue to go up. Yeah, we can go. We can dive deep into this, but my my company, as everybody probably knows, is that we target um, states in the U.S. So when we, when we decide what region that we want to invest in, first things first is we want to look for job growth, population growth, income growth, and crime reduction. So 100% when we go and purchase a property, we do bank on house prices or multifamily prices, if you will, going up. Um, but we also have a business model where we do a value add. So just like a fix and flip, if you will, right? You buy the asset, you renovate it and then you sell it, we also do a value add. So we force appreciate the asset as well. So we get to bank on force appreciation, natural appreciation, and all in the meantime, while we're executing the business model, our investors receive cash flow. Right. And multifamily, I guess that means apartment buildings. Are we talking high rises or low rises or everything in between? So really cool. In the United States of America, people are obsessed with, you know, uh, these 
incredible resort-like apartment communities. It's where they're about two to three stories high and they're spread out. There's so much land in the U.S., right? So they're spread out on a great piece of land. And you walk out of your front door, you have you have your pool, you have your gym, you have your uh, management office right there on site. You have everything you need as you walk out the front door. So imagine, imagine a resort looking style type of uh, place where you can actually live. So what states do you tend to invest in most? So we, we go for the, the states um, that are, like I said, high job growth, population growth. There's, um, Sounds like Florida, Texas, Arizona. Good job. Nevada, Absolutely. Colorado, maybe? Oh, not Colorado nope. yet, but nope. we do, we do love, we, we, we just closed on an asset in Florida. We're actually in the Carolinas right now, which is really exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, South Carolina, we're closing on an asset. And then as you said, Arizona, Texas is on our radar. Um, and, and, and that's that. Wow. And, um, how long have you been in business? So we've been in business for roughly a year and a half now. Um, and we just closed on a 354 unit in Orlando, Florida, um, which we're really excited about. And we're closing actually today on another asset in South Carolina. It's a 350 unit, um, apartment community. Wow. Wow. Um, tell me about the, the, the journey to starting CPI Capital. So you, you didn't do it alone, but you know you, you obviously had some things to think through and some regulatory hoops to, to go through to, to, to get here. Yeah, of course. So, you know, funny enough, I about two years ago, um, I met my business partner who was a developer here in Vancouver. Um, and we came across this business model, apartment syndication in the U.S., and we've seen the type of returns that investors were making and how they were building wealth passively. Nothing I've ever seen before. Um, so I fell in love. I fell in love from day one, and I, I, I so did my business partner, and we we joined forces, if you will, if you will. And you know, there's so much uh, irritations along the way that happened because think of it this way: there's there was so much opaqueness around the laws to start this this company. There's the laws, the taxes, the regulations, the security compliance all part of private equity. And now to compound all of that, imagine doing business across borders. So you're, you're dealing with two different governing bodies, two different laws, two different taxations. And when we started this, education was key. You know, the hurdle was making sense of it all. Um, and knowing, knowing everything, like the back of my hand was key because my investors are entrusting me with their hard-earned money, right? So in decisions I'm making, I was making as general partner, uh, first, first things first was to preserve their capital, and second thing was to grow their capital. So we joined for- forces and we started going on this educational journey of how to make it all possible. And essentially what happened, Rick, was uh, the, business, the, the business model was a no-brainer. It was simple mathematics, but it was a theory the theory was this fund to fund structure that my group created. It's a Canadian fund that Canadian investors can invest directly into a Canadian entity. And that fund would invest into a U.S. fund that would then own the asset. And then the profits would come back from the U.S. into the Canadian fund and be distributed to our investors. But the, the key thing to note here is it's fully tax efficient, the corporate structure that we set up. And our Canadian investors are relieved from double taxation. 
Ah, of course. Okay, so that's the exciting um, part. <laughs> and do you own that U.S. fund? Is is that fully under your ownership and control? So I am I am general partnership in the U.S., but I've also partnered with incredibly strong active operators as well. So this is a team sport. Um, there's so many moving parts that exist, um, and you and you know you really need to be the master of delegation in order to succeed in this space. Uh, you need to be humble enough to say, you know what, I'm not the expert in that field, but I'm willing to delegate this task to an expert who's willing to, you know, work with me or partner with me. So because we had our track record here in Canada, what's the best thing that we could do? Well, we could partner with incredibly strong active operators who are experts in in what they do there. Um, and that gives our Canadian investors confidence as well when executing the business. Eva, you mentioned your co-founder, whose name is August. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you met him and, and how you work together? Yeah, of course. So August Benias, he is, um, he's the, you know, the reason this company really got up and running. Uh, he's the chief strategist officer. Um, and he's the most brilliant man when it comes to being an entrepreneur. If there's one person who I've met in my life that really, uh, um, you know, has those smarts when building a company, it's him. So he, I met him about two years ago um, and we met through real estate actually. And essentially um, we both fell in love with this business model at the same time. And it was a no brainer. And, you know, funny enough, he was a developer and he built single luxury homes here in Vancouver. And then he also syndicated projects uh, without knowing he was syndicating projects. And that's pooling together investor capital and and, and, you know, finding a project and managing it. And he did that here. Um, so he was already kind of familiar with the business model. Um, but it was when we came across apartment syndication in the U.S. that I left my career as a realtor. He left his career as a developer. And we, we built this company from the ground up together. Okay. So tell us in terms of CPI Capital, are you the first in Canada to be packaging uh, apartment units in the U.S. in this way? Great question, Rick. So you know what? We're not the first. We did not reinvent the wheel, but there's very few people that are doing this. You know, not many have ventured into the space because of its intricacy. Um, you know, there's so many, so many moving parts uh, to build a business like this. Um, now, my, our, funny enough, our business model is disruptive. Historically, investing in private equity in these large institutional, that's what we call them, institutional multifamily assets, was so expensive and complicated that only a few people with a lot of money and a lot of skill had access to it. But now this type of product is available to the masses rather than you know the selective ultra wealthy groups. Um, so it makes real estate investing affordable and accessible. Right. So as a proud member of the masses, if I wanted to get involved, is there a minimum amount of money I would have to put up? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. So our minimum investment is $25,000 USD. All, all investments are made in USD. All returns are in USD. Um, it's as simple as calling your Canadian bank account and opening a USD account. And I mean, I, I, I know so many people who try as individual fixer uppers, I, uh, flip and fixers, I guess, fix and flip. I guess in that order. Um, I know people who've tried to do this, and yeah, they're 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 hassles as a landlord, and, and everything always breaks down on a on a weekend, um, and you know the risk of investing in just one piece of property um, is so high. So you're spreading the risk. Uh, you're 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 picking the market. So I can invest in Florida without having to live there. 
Um, it's mm -hmm. uh, and it's available to me now, and not just to uh, to, to rich families and trust funds. So that seems pretty disruptive. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, you know, speaking of the disruptiveness of the product, this concept of, of democratizing real estate investing and making it available to everyone, you know, when people think of real estate investing, they think of calling a, a real estate agent uh, to see what's the best investment to make, right? Um, a real estate agent gets paid a commission no matter what happens in a transaction. In real estate private equity, the sponsor like myself or the general partner, we only get paid relative to the performance of the asset. So that's kind of a really cool thing as well. So we're in this together. Yeah, exactly. So we're in this together. And in terms of, of um, getting started, I mean, most investors will say, well, what's the track record of this asset? And you say, well, we're just getting started. <laughs> so, so how did you deal with that question in terms of, of getting started? What it goes back to is partnering with incredibly strong team on the U.S. side. You know, the team that I partnered with, they had half a billion dollars worth of track record. Um, so that gives that gives confidence to investors to see that the business model has been executed time and time again, and it has worked time and time again with very happy investors. Um, Canadians, on the other hand, are just really excited that we've set up this corporate structure that they can invest into to, to have access to these types of alternative investments. If it wasn't for CPI Capital setting up, doing all the heavy lifting, if you will, and setting up this fund-to-fund -fund structure, it makes it near impossible for Canadian to directly invest into a Canadian syndicated, or to, sorry, into an American syndicated investment without a lot of red tape. Right. And so you mentioned the, the, that you figured out the taxes. So I get a certain income, a passive income from you uh, monthly and I guess occasional payouts as properties are bought, are sold. Um, and so I just report that on my income tax and that's all I have to worry about. So it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it, but, Darn. but yeah, yeah, but it's not that it's not that bad. It's actually, uh, you know, as I was saying, there's two different uh, tax implications that we have to do. But what my company does is we receive something called a K-1 form. And that's the U.S. version of, of the income made, if you will, that's that's uh, on, on this form. We convert that for our Canadian investors to a T-5013 slip. Now, the cool thing that nobody, not a lot of people know, and you're going to learn today, is there's a tax treaty that exists between Canada and the U.S. So essentially what happens is when the CRA sees that you have made income in the U.S., um, what happens is there's a withholding tax that's done on the U.S. side. Now, when the funds come back to Canada, essentially what happens is because of this treaty, uh, the Canadian, the CRA says, you know what, you've already paid your taxes, there's a foreign tax credit, and you're not double taxed here. So that's, it's, it's pretty much as simple as that. So it's a, it's a, it's a win-win. Right. Now, I, I certainly don't know a ton about taxes and 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 in in different jurisdictions, but I do know that uh, capital gains can be taxed yes. on housing if you don't turn around and buy another one quickly. So, how does that affect um, Canadian investors who aren't used to to pay? Uh, I guess on the other hand, we only pay we we only get that exemption on our principal residence, so we're investing in other properties we're paying taxes anyway exactly yeah sorry that wasn't a very good question was it no that's okay <laughs> and hey just keep keep them coming <laughs>
And I'm not, so a, I'm not a tax accountant and I'm, I can't give any tax advice, but we do do really cool different, um, you know, things like return of capital. So there's zero income made for the term of the project until you sell it in the back end and you pay taxes on the capital gain. So there's some cool things that we do in our company as well. Um, you know, for tax. And who's your target market? Who, who, who do you see as, as, as your best customers? My best customers are busy professionals, okay, that don't have the time to or or the the knowledge or the expertise um, to find, vet, and manage real estate investments. My, you know, a busy professional who has some extra money to deploy, um, who wants to show up, write a check, sit back, and receive uh, those those monthly distributions. You know, our investors build wealth passively, as I was saying, and that just creates time freedom. To live a more abundant life, you know who who doesn't dream of making some extra money relatively easy. <laughs> right. So, so you're still pretty much a startup. What did you discover as you went along that that you that you didn't expect to? What surprises did you have along the way? How did you have to, you know, tweak your business plan in order to sell it to Canadians? In order to sell it to Canadians, you know, along the way, you know, there wasn't any blueprint that we had. Uh, it was good 16 hour days for the last year and a half and I'm continuing on doing that, but there wasn't any blueprint. Um, so as I was saying earlier, this, this master of delegation, uh, becoming a master of delegation and, and really, uh, bringing on people who are really smart. We partnered with the top lawyers here in Vancouver. Um, we partnered with, uh, the top accountants here in Vancouver, um, and all together, that's how we really made everything happen. Um, but along the way, I learned a lot, Rick, you know, being, you know, like I said, starting this company and building it from the ground up, there was just a lot of moving parts. And, and August and I, we've, we've, we've learned a lot along the way. We could probably write a book <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, just knowing what you're good at and, and delegating the rest and, and not, being too hard on yourself and having systems in place, having really strong systems in place to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Right. And where did you get the help to develop systems and things? Because uh, both of you had been in business before, had been entrepreneurs in a way, but, you know, hadn't really started uh, an on, it sounds like neither of you had really started an ongoing operating company. Yeah, I think it developed over the years. To be honest, to be honest with you, my parents were already always really hardworking people, and and I seen them with their systems. And and you know, when push comes to shove, and you're so passionate about building something, you really just make it work when it comes to uh, figuring out how to make things happen. Um, so that was that when you're kind of pushed into not even pushed in when you when you jump into something and you realize that there's so you don't really have a choice you gotta you gotta figure it out and be organized that's the only way to succeed so you've enabled canadians to tap into this brand new market to most of us in terms of uh, u.s-based um sunshine state for the, for that matter mm -hmm. um multi-family residential so let's just break that down why should canadians be investing in the U.S. because Canadian real estate markets, some of them have been doing pretty well. Great question, Rick. Yeah. So first things first is the above market returns that I can achieve from my investors that are available in the U.S. If you were to consider uh, the rent-to-value ratios and the cap rate compression in here in Canada, the U.S. puts the returns here across Canada to shame. Secondly, 
Investing across the border gives me the ability to achieve the two primary goals of real estate investing, and that's cash flow and appreciation. Okay, not to mention the U.S. has a much larger market. It's about 10 times the population of Canada. And one really exciting thing is the U.S. has very business-friendly laws that exist. And one of them that I love is, is there's no rent control in the states that I, that I go into. Okay, so that's the landlord's best friend right there. Um, yes. Help me understand depreciation because we tend to think of real estate as an appreciating asset because the price is in many parts of Canada, certainly in the cities, generally go up. But at the same time, you're, you're able to take advantage of depreciating the value of the properties. So that sounds like win-win. It's a win-win, yes. And as I was talking about earlier, we also do a forced appreciation. So there's a lot of tax advantages and and it's like a win-win-win, as you just said. You know, U.S. multifamily investing, uh, I like to make, what I like to call it is a wealth-building machine. Wow. <laughs> and explain the idea of multifamily. How, I mean, how many families are we talking about? Well, well we, our business model is 100 plus units. And anything from 100 plus units. And and I won't go over all the details as to why I we, we target 100 plus units, but I'd like to give you some main points that will really resonate um, as to why we you, uh, like 100 plus units. And my favorite is the economy of scale. So let's look at it this way. If you have a duplex and one of your tenants abruptly moves out, you're now at 50% vacancy. Now in multifamily, if you have a 100-unit multifamily building and one of your tenants moves out, you're at 1% vacancy. Now, what about renovations? You know, if you're buying, you get a huge discount if you're buying 100 washer and dryers. Uh, the price is going to be astronomically lower than just buying a pair of washer and dryers. Now, on the property management side, let's say you have a, let's say you have a condo downtown in Toronto or Vancouver. And you want a property manager, you want to hire a property manager who looks after your condo, you're probably paying around 10 to 12% of your rents for finding them. They'll find you tenants, you know, they'll manage the property. And in most cases, this won't include any fix, fixes that need to be done here and there. But in, a, but in multifamily, okay, on a 100-unit building, you always hire a third-party property manager. And this is going to cost you maybe 3 to 4% of the rents for a full on-site management team and they handle everything from leases to renovations to dealing with the tenants in the community um so this is this is kind of a why I, I'm, I'm in love with multifamily and i can really go i can go on all day talking about why multifamily so what's next for cpi then you, you you've uh, brought this concept you've de democratized it in, in essence um how do you get the message out and what's next well, for myself, I, you know, I want to continue to spread the word across Canada about about this alternative investment that's available for Canadians to to build wealth 100% passively. Um, you know, I want to help people by the masses. And for for CPI Capital, you know, in this business, you're you're judged by your AUM, which is assets under management. Um, and currently, we're at 92 million dollars. Um, on another, we're actually, as I mentioned, we're closing on another. Uh, um, asset in South Carolina. So our AUM is going to be 178 million. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, but the goal is to be at a billion dollars of assets under management in five years and helping a ton of investors build wealth um, while they sleep. <laughs> right, right. 
Are there other markets that you're looking at or other investment opportunities that are sort of similar to this in that if you pinpoint specific properties according to a specific um, process, uh, your, your own algorithm, um, that you can bring other very specific investment opportunities to the public? Because we're all tired of these our RSPs, <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> the, the mutual funds that uh, that 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 produce four percent a year and take two percent in management fees. Yeah, isn't that isn't that something? You know, Canadians, my conservative Canadians that are happy with their five six percent annual returns. You know what? At the end of the day, CPI Capital, we are going to be bringing the best investment opportunities to our investors. And that could be anywhere from right now we're focused on multifamily, becoming an expert in multifamily and multifamily is what we're bringing to our um, investors. But there are other investment opportunities such as, you know, senior house living or mobile homes. With that being said, where, wherever, whatever makes the most sense for our investors to build wealth passively, that's our number one mission, right? Um, if we can find a business, uh, an opportunity here in Canada where the numbers make sense, then we'll be presenting that as well to our investors. So for, for anybody listening, um, to follow CPI and to get on our database and to, to stay up to date of what opportunities we're bringing please get in touch with me and I can add you right away um, as far as uh, keeping you posted on, on what, what's up and coming. Right. Um, I found an article where you were offering some investment tips to people, specifically uh, women, but I think they apply to everyone. And, and you keep repeating, uh, get to know the team you're investing with. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, make sure you understand what you're investing in before you purchase. So, when people ask you a lot of questions about CPI's products, uh, is that cool? Yeah, of course, of course. And you know what? I always, you know, diversification is key. Um, I'm just another alternative investment that exists out there. You know, it's diversification, diversification, diversification. So that's one thing I always kind of uh, say. There's so many different avenues to go down. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, and, and, uh, that's probably my 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 best advice. Years ago, I worked at a financial newspaper, and we had an investment editor who interviewed all the analysts about their their, their top picks, and the every story included some version of the quote: "Selectivity is the key. You can invest in this sector, but hey, there are dogs here too. So selectivity is the key." And they were always weaseling out <laughs> of their forecasts by saying, well, in, in, in looking at all of these trends, selectivity is the key. So it sounds like you've done the, selective, the, the selection for us. You've narrowed down to use, using these various parameters that we discussed to find something special. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And keep in mind, you know, historically in an investment portfolio uh, used to be 60, 40 stocks and bonds. But we can see with the high-performing university endowments that have diversified their investments into ve even venture capital and, of course, real estate and private equity. Um, so for myself, you know, since I have a dog in the race, my perfect portfolio is comprised of 40% real estate, and that's on the passive side, um, and the other 60% diversified into, you know, other stocks, bonds, and, and other investments. Right. 
Now, the the other cliche we had in our financial newspaper was your biggest investment will almost always be um, your house. So does it make sense to have you know a lot of equity tied up in that in in a house plus forty percent of your portfolio in real estate in other places? It's all it all depends on the person, right? Um, funny, I know my parents would beg to differ. It depends on kind of uh, where you're at in your life, I guess. But uh, I always do say it's great, of course, have your primary residence. That's probably key, the first start to real estate investing. Um, and then go go from there. You got to do what's best for you, right? Everybody kind of has a different story. Right. Okay, I'm going to stress test your, 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 your offering here. Uh, my parents, when they retired 30 years ago, bought a lovely property in Florida and on a very small, on a pond, a small, very small lake with an alligator and to sunshine all day. And it was an individual home. It wasn't multifamily or anything. It was, it was a house. But, and, you know, the climate in Florida was great. And that house did not... Uh, 20 years after they bought it, the house was still worth what they paid for it. Really? The the, the value did not move. And none of us could understand it. Um, and it was strange. Now, in the past 10 years, the you know, things have changed and, uh, and prices have risen. But there was a very long period in a very safe and secure and well-known to Canadian sunshine state when it didn't. So... Um, is there is there a current boom in these states with this multifamily that could bust because it appreciation has not always been the norm in some of these states? Well, funny enough, there not even funny enough. What's happening, Rick, is there's an interstate migration happening from New York City, California, and all of these people are moving into these you know lower cost living states. So that's why, particularly, why we're targeting these these states such as Florida, Arizona. Um, there's this massive interstate migration happening, and 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 Fortune 500 companies are also moving into these states with because the, of the. What, what this, was happening in Florida, though, at the time that I'm talking about, is yeah. that people were migrating to Florida. Oh. But they were converting orange groves into housing tracts so quickly that supply always outstripped demand growth. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, we, the, the, the targeted, the, the recent property that we closed, um, we target certain sub markets, um, that have a population growth of like 23%, um, in a, in a short period of time. So I can't speak to why your parents' property, the single, the single family was kind of at a, a zero, uh, natural appreciation. Okay, so it's important for people to know that selectivity is the key. Mm -hmm. um, we never know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm, we're going to be very interested to see how uh, your, your product does and, uh, and uh, how CPI Capital evolves. And we'll be very interested in seeing some of the other niches that you come up with. So thanks very much for the innovation that you're bringing to uh to Canadian investors, to, to, to retail investors who do need 
some uh, some fresh air blown into their portfolios and 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 thank you for 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 making these opportunities available as we wind up this interview i've just got to ask you um now that you're this disruptive entrepreneur in, 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 in the financial space, what's the most actionable piece of advice that you could offer entrepreneurs based on your experience that they could put into their implement in their business immediately? For sure. So the art of delegation, uh, knowing what you're good at and delegating the rest, um, having an incredible strong systems in place when building a company with a task management software. So nothing ever gets missed. And lastly, just make it a priority to surround to surround yourself with great mentors and advisors because you'll you'll always win this way if you surround yourself with with great minds. That was about five great tips. There was a lot in there, <laughs> so everyone press your, your your the rewind and listen to it again. Uh, it, it sounds like you've you've learned some really good lessons and taken some really good advice. So uh, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. It's, it's delightful to get to know you and your business model. So we've been talking to Ava Benasaki, the CEO of CPI Capital in Vancouver. Thank you very much for speaking with us, and we'll talk. To you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.